Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. So just while we're waiting for the children to come back this morning, this is a great moment just to say hi to one another if you've not done that already. As you're doing that, perhaps you can talk to each other about who it is in the world, past or present, real or fictional, that you would most like to be like. Okay? Now, the one rule is you're not allowed to say Jesus, okay? We're, we are gathered in the church as the church this morning. You're not allowed to say Jesus, but name one person, real or fictional, that you'd like to be like. Okay, so come on. Who are the people? Who are the people that we'd like to be like? <laughs> okay, you're not allowed to say Jesus or me, okay? Stephen Russell. Stephen Russell, okay. Mary Poppins, okay, excellent, okay, okay. Nelson. Nelson, Admiral Lord Nelson, okay, yeah, yeah, good, okay. Yeah, I hope you like heights, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> that's good. The Queen, yeah, yeah, okay, good one. Okay, let me, let me tell you about somebody that, that I aspire to be like, aspire to be like. This is a person who actually isn't a real person, but I call him this. I call him Psalm One Man. In my mind, when I think about this character, I think about him as Psalm One Man. That is to say, the man we read about in Psalm One. You knew that, didn't you? Okay, why don't we turn to Psalm One? We're going to read this together. And as we turn to your word... Together this morning, Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will light up the words on the page. You will illuminate the things that are put into our minds this morning so that they will bear fruit in our lives, not just today, but in the days and the weeks and the years ahead. To your glory. Amen. Psalm 1 may be a psalm that you know quite well. You know, if you've ever resolved that you're going to read a psalm a day, at least you'll have read Psalm 1 a few times. <laughs> so um, you, you, may, you may know it in the New Living Translation, which talks about the joys of those. When I first learned it, it was blessed is the man, which is why I, which is why I think about this person as Psalm 1 man. Uh, elsewhere, it's blessed is the one, or happy is the man, or oh, the joys of those, but it's, but it's all the same. And uh, so let's read this together. I'm going to read first of all from the New Living Translation. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. 
they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. The character of Psalm 1 man sounds pretty good, doesn't it? This sounds like a man who is walking in God's blessing. But you know, I want to ask the question today, is such blessing possible to walk in God's blessing? What does that mean? What do we mean by talking about the blessing of God? How do we define blessing? I would, I would think, I would say, if we're going to start, start to talk about blessing, we're talking about a, a contentment in God, a satisfaction in God, a being well-watered, being fortunate, being favoured, being prosperous. You know, sometimes when we use the word prosperous, all sorts of alarm bells go off. We, you may have seen on the news this week some... American TV evangelist who's believing God for his fourth private jet because he's only got three at the moment and they don't quite do it for him. Okay, we're not talking about God is going to grant us fantastic wealth. That, that, that could be a way we see prosperity, but prosperity is much, much wider than that. Much wider than that. As a child and as a teenager, my view of the church was much, much different to how I see things today. My view of the Christian life was very much skewed from how I see things today. I I thought that the church was a poor, struggling, dying out, unpopular organisation, clinging on for dear life until the return of Jesus when he'd come and rescue us all and put us all out of our misery. (laughs) And the Christian life seemed very much like just pushing a big rock up a hill. You know? And the uncomfortableness of all of that was all part of the deal. I don't think I've been alone in having that view of the church. But that was certainly my perception as a, as a younger man. And I'm not actually saying that anybody taught me those things. But that was certainly very much what I felt in myself. I believed in God. When I was 11 and three quarters, I knew salvation, praise God, because of the death and the resurrection of King Jesus. I was saved, but it seemed that the Christian life was rather restrictive, rather than liberating. It was religious rather than relational. And there would be an eternal reward for all the struggle, but it would be an eternal reward. The expectation of blessing in the here and now was not something I particularly had thought about or computed. See, my former perceptions of the Christian life allowed no room for God to bless. Allowed no room for him to be true to his many promises. And to see that living a life God's way actually brought liberty, actually brought relationship, and actually brought an opportunity to enjoy walking in the blessing of God. A few years have passed. 
and I'm no longer a teenager. I find myself part of this body of believers in this town and confidently this morning able to declare to myself and to you that walking in the blessing of God is something that God wants for all believers, something that God promises to all believers and for those who determine to put him first in all that they do. I also believe this, that as more and more of us within this body of believers choose to walk in God's blessing, we'll become more effective in our witness together as we mature in our knowledge of him and we'll become increasingly useful of displaying the kingdom of God in this town of Market Harbour. Good, good. Wouldn't that be good? I want to read Psalm 1 again because I read it this week as well in the Amplified version of the Bible. That doesn't mean I have to read it very loud. What, what it means, what it means is they, they have put in some extra words within the, as I've translated it, to try and show us the full meaning of what was behind the Hebrew words it's been translated from. So Psalm 1, it is longer because there are more words, but it, but it will really help us understand um, everything this is about. It says this, blessed, Fortunate, prosperous, and favoured by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers and ridiculers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, his precepts and teaching, He habitually meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. The wicked, those who live in disobedience to God's law, are not so. But they are like the chaff, worthless and without substance, which the wind blows away. And therefore the wicked will not stand unpunished in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. That's really helpful, isn't it? So here's my first point. How can we... What is Psalm 1 man like? And how can we put that into practice in our own lives? Here's the first one. We can walk in blessing as we worship. I think Psalm 1 man is a worshipper. Let's contrast verses 1 and 2 of the psalm. He's blessed because, verse 1, he is not listening to the godless and taking their advice. He is not spending his time in places that are unhelpful and can trap him into making poor choices. But in contrast, he is blessed because he looks for his satisfaction in what God says. And he thinks about and lives out his life based on what God says. There's the contrast. He's a worshipper. Many words have been written about what it means to bring our worship to God. And we all know that worship isn't something that happens for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, don't we? Yeah. I believe 
the very widest definition of worship is when we choose to live and think and act in a way which brings honour and glory to God in all that we do. Paul in Romans 12 puts it like this, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, in our day, and I'm sure this has always been the case, but very much in our day, there are so many people ready to give us their advice and counsel, aren't there? And especially in the internet age. I'm really aware that when I look at my Facebook or Twitter feed, there are thousands of voices literally asking me to like their opinions. Yes. Yeah. They say things like this. Lose weight by doing this. Brexit is great. Tick here. Make money quick. Claim your free whatever it is now. Donald Trump is a moron, isn't he? Get fitter by signing up here. Oh, Brexit's a mess. Donald Trump's not actually a moron. <laughs> Be tolerant of my worldview. Drink this. Go there. Boycott that. Support this. Listen to this preacher. Bet on this football match. Listen to this band. Watch this YouTube clip. Etc. 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 The voices of the world all around us. I'm not saying to ban Facebook and Twitter and all the others, but we do need to know who we're listening to. We do need to know who we're listening to. Today's culture reminds me very much of this verse describing the days when, uh, in Israel when they had no king. It says, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And don't we see that in the world around us right now? If we're to walk in God's blessing, we need to be really careful in the things we listen to, the places in which we choose to spend our time, and very deliberate in the things that we allow to shape our worldview. And rather, actually, as God's people, we know where to go to find good guidance. We, need, we know where to go to find all that we need to understand the way of living that brings honour and brings glory to God. James puts it like this, James chapter 1, verse 25, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. There it is. The promise of a blessing from God by looking into his word remembering what it says and doing what he tells us. You will have heard the scripture that says, do not quench or do not stifle the Holy Spirit. You find that in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. And we may think, well, I'd never do that. 
But let me suggest that every time we choose to turn somewhere else other than to God's word and seek our counsel elsewhere, we're doing exactly that. Seriously, if we are spending more time on Facebook each day than we are spending looking at the word of God and we're looking for our delight there, then we've got the balance wrong and things need to change. And I believe that's a challenge to many of us here this morning. We're going to leave Psalm 1 man now. We're going to look at a couple of other scriptures where God particularly promises to bless those who are following him. So here's my second point. We can walk in blessing as we stir up faith. We can walk in blessing as we stir up faith. Do you remember those who were there a few weeks ago? We met to pray uh, about a month ago. And at the start of that time of prayer, we turned in our Bibles to Hebrews 11, which is a chapter all about faith. So why don't we just turn to Hebrews 11 now, because we're going to have a look at one verse in there particularly. It's a very long chapter, and we read it all when we were together that night, and it was really helpful to us, I believe. But this chapter is sometimes referred to as the Hall of Fame of Faith. Because it recalls many characters that we find in our Bibles, particularly in the Old Testament, and how they were faithful to what God was showing or telling them, and often in spite of all the evidence. So, for example, read about Noah, who was told to build a boat in the middle of nowhere, in spite of having no experience of what a flood might look like. Read about Abraham, who was a wealthy man but left his home to go to the place that God showed him. Read again about Abraham, who was promised that he would be the father of a great nation, in spite of the fact that he was very elderly, and so was his wife. Read about Joseph, who believed that he would be buried in the land that God had promised to his people, and and blessed his children, and instructed them to take his bones to the land of Canaan when God liberated them. Read about the parents of Moses who hid their baby um, when Pharaoh decreed that all the little Hebrew boys were to be killed. They believed and trusted God. Read about Moses himself, about how he led the people out of the land of Egypt in spite of his opportunity to stay in his privileged upbringing. He chose to leave the palace where he lived and lead the children of Israel out of captivity and through the Red Sea. And you know, this list goes on and on and on. And there are some people we read about in that hall of fame in Hebrews 11 who are the most unlikely of people. And actually, when you go back and look in the Old Testament at what actually happened, you will think, they were faithful in the end, but it was a bit of a struggle. (laughs) But there they are, in the hall of fame, Hebrews 11. It's a really inspiring passage. Read it later, but right now we're going to look at Hebrews 11, verse 6, because this is what God says about faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, and he rewards those, he blesses those who sincerely seek him. So yes, we need faith to believe that God exists. Yes, we need faith for salvation, 
That is to repent of our sins, Mm -hmm. to put our trust in Jesus and orient the path of our life on a path which pleases him. But we also need to be in a continual state of faith to be effective in building the kingdom of God. You know, we see the kingdom of God come whenever we see King Jesus reigning. We see the kingdom of God come wherever we see King Jesus reigning. If King Jesus is not reigning on the inside, there's not going to be any evidence of him reigning on the outside. Wherever we go, we need to be stirring up faith in order to see the kingdom of God come. It's really easy to be faithless. It's really easy to run into challenges, and particularly if they're self-inflicted. It's very easy to allow our eyes to be on ourselves only, to wallow in our self-pity, or our bad luck, or ill health, or even the injustice that we think we've been dealt. And I personally know that there are times when we really have to force ourselves to lift our eyes to God. And to say to him, Father, in spite of all the evidence today, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to choose to believe you. I'm going to choose to believe your promise to bless. That's a faith statement. Every time we do that, that's a faith statement. That's a stirring up of faith. Choosing to be in a place of faith is so important. And stirring up faith in one another is vital. All of us, apart from uh, nobody, (laughs) all of us have a really important and vital role to play in this. Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah, what happens when we hear one another tell of something that God has done in our lives, what happens in ourselves when we hear that someone has been healed, that someone has been saved, that someone has seen breakthrough in a situation that just seemed completely impossible? Well, this is what happens. It stirs up faith. It stirs up faith. Wow, that's great. I'm going to pray for that. I've been reading a book over the last few days by a guy called Robbie Dawkins. I don't know if you've come across him, but he is a, a, a preacher and he's got a real gift of healing. And he's just written in this little book about some of his experiences of seeing God breaking through in miraculous ways in people's lives. Mm. And he's seen people uh, healed. He's seen people who have been in wheelchairs, no longer in wheelchairs, He's seen people who were oppressed by evil spirits be released from that oppression. And he's seen people raised from the dead. Now, come on. My faith is stirred. My faith is stirred. If if my God 
does that when Robbie Dawkins prays, then my God can do that when any of us pray, right? This morning, if any of you are dead, I'm your man. (laughs) But seriously, it's a stirring up of our faith. What a great thing. We can also activate faith, stir up faith, when we bring our agreement, our vocal agreement to truth when it's declared together. Yeah? I'm glad you agreed with that. <laughs> that, that. That's the ABC, your vocal agreement. So whether in sung worship, or whether in the preached word, or whether someone is sharing personal testimony, or bringing a prophetic word, if there's something within what we're hearing that we are thinking, yeah, yeah. that's true, yeah. then say, yes, yes that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Great, I agree with that. Because there are, we're not just saying that to encourage the preacher. Although it does encourage the preacher. (laughs) But let me tell you, first and foremost, we're doing that to speak over ourselves. Let our own bodies, minds, spirits hear our vocal agreement to the truth of God. It's so important. It's a stirring up of faith. And that means that when we gather together on a morning like this, we're not sitting there as spectators, listening to... You know, whether the preacher tickles us today or not really. But this is a living and active word that God speaks in the Bible that we can go, yes, yes. You know, even if the preacher is rubbish, the truth of it is amazing. Yes, I'm going to bring my amen to that. Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2 says this Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Speak out. Activate faith. Stir up faith. God promises he's going to bless those who are in faith. Here's my third point. We can walk in blessing as we bring our tithe. We can walk in blessing as we bring our tithe. I've got two scriptures I want to read which will really um, help us to understand this crucial life principle for us, this crucial eternal principle in God's kingdom. The first one is here, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 and 23. God says, You must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year, Bring this tithe to the designated worship place, the place that the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honoured, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to your tithe of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. The eternal principle of the tithe has been given to God's people, to teachers, to reminders, to in all things, fear the Lord. In the times when this was written, uh, people's economic wealth was, was done in things like grain and olive oil and firstborn sheep. Today we keep things much simpler because we get paid in money. 
uh, which is why our, our basket is that size. <laughs> but the principle is the same. The fear of the Lord. That is not to be frightened of God, but to be in a holy, reverent honour of him in everything of life, including our finance. A holy, reverent honour of him in everything in life. That sounds much like what we said earlier about worship, doesn't it? Here's, here's a second scripture, Malachi 3, verses 6 to 12. And just the, content, the context of this scripture is that this is where God is calling the people of Israel to repent because they've not been living the way that God has chosen for them. God says this, I am the Lord and I do not change. This is why you, the descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God said, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I love that scripture. I really love that scripture. God not only makes a promise, but he's so confident in doing so of his abundant provision that he throws down the gauntlet as he does so. He throws down a challenge. Come on, try it. Put me to the test. I know who I am. I know that when I say I'm going to bless you, I'm really going to bless you. Yeah. Yeah. He's leaving no room for confusion. God knows that our honouring of him with our money can take a really big step of faith. Particularly if we've started from a place of not honouring God at all with our money. It can take a really big step of faith. You know, that's why I believe this is the only time in the Bible we read God say, test me. You remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. Jesus quoted back to him another scripture in Deuteronomy. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. On this occasion, God makes an exception to the rule. He says, now come on, really, test me. Do what I say, I'm going to pour out my provision and my abundance upon you. What a promise. My own testimony in this is that there have been times in my life when I have tithed faithfully. And there have been times when I have not tithed faithfully. 
I've always been much worse off when I've been keeping more of my money for myself. Which is completely illogical. But it's true. That is the truth. And you know, I'd love to see God bless all of us in this area as we cheerfully bring God a tithe. That is at least a tenth of our income. And the first tenth of that. Not whatever gets left over at the end of the month. The first fruits, the first portion. So let me just be really specific about this because I can do some sums in my head so long as it's all in uh, 10%, okay? <laughs> if, if your income is £500 a year, bring £50 to God, yes. the first £50. If your income is £10,000 a year, bring your first £1,000 to God. Yeah. If your income is £50,000 a year, you bring £5,000 to God. Yes. If your income is £100,000 a year, you bring £10,000 to God. Yes. You're going, £10,000? That's a small car. Every year. It is. But the tithe, this eternal principle, has been instigated in order to teach us the fear of the Lord and to walk in the promise of his blessing when we do that. I know that there's blessing to be had here. And, you know, it will be for the good particularly if we're leading in our families, men. If we're leading in our families, it will be for our good, but it will be for the good of our families. It will be for the good of this body. It will be for the good of the town. I really believe that. A body of people walking in the blessing of God in every way has got to be good news for the town of Market Harbour, for our mission. Thank you. We're going to finish, but I want to deal with another question because one of the questions that, that comes to me and may well be coming to you at the moment is this. What happens on those occasions when we think, I'm not walking in God's blessing? This doesn't feel very blessed to me. Maybe we've all felt like that at times. When things to ha- seem to have some really good momentum, things are going well, and all of a sudden, something bad happens. There's a loss of a job, there's a financial concern, there's sickness, there's a family problem that complicates and confuses everything and all of a sudden we're taken from a place of being quite content and satisfied in all we have to, oh really, well God has just given up on blessing me then. Why is that? Two things I want to say, here's the first. I believe seriously that we always need to examine ourselves. Where God has promised to bless, if we're living his way, let's really make sure we're living his way. So let's examine our hearts. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to witness to us. Let's ask him to show us, are we getting this right in every area? I'm not suggesting for a minute that God will bless us if we're, lose, if we're doing things his way, but vindictively punish us if we won't. There's no condemnation. If we're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. God is not a vindictive God who will punish us for, um, for not living his way. But as his people, there is something within us that just says, God, all I have, I just want to be 
completely in your will. Yes. Would you show me if there's any way I'm not doing that right now? Yeah. So there's number one. We examine ourselves if we feel we're not walking in blessing. Here's a second one. It's a curse. The world we live in is under a curse. After Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, we can read in Genesis chapter 3 that the world um, was cursed by God. God had said, you're choosing not to live my way, and therefore there's a curse on the world. Now, the curse has been lifted. Praise God. It's been lifted through, through Jesus. That's right. Jesus not also, not only, God not only brought the curse, he brought a way out of the curse. Yeah. And if we're following Jesus as our saviour, if we're trusting him for the forgiveness of our sin, that curse has been broken yes. in each one of us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. We're still living in a cursed world. There are still people around us who don't know God. Who are doing, just as we described earlier, doing just as they please. And very often that impacts us in, in the things we're doing. Listen to this, Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's you and me. With the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. We're blessed. There is no curse. We're blessed. What good news. The curse has been broken. And God says he will bless all believers just as he blessed Abraham. If we go back about three and a half thousand years to the day when God was laying it all out for Moses and the people of Israel, he gave them a principle that remains as valid for us today as it did to them in their day. God said this, we find it in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, for those taking notes. God says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. You've probably heard me say this before about this, about this very verse. God is saying, hey, there's a choice. It's, it's, you know, it's this hand or this hand. The choice is yours, but choose that hand. <laughs> yeah. God is saying there's a choice. You have free will, but make a choice. Yeah. Seeking to walk in the blessing of God is a choice for us today. It's nothing to do with where we live or our family circumstances or our finances or our education. It's a choice. As an elder in the church, and as a shepherd in the church, this is my burden for us today. That we take the word of God. We take the promises that he's made, and that we walk in them. The shepherd's job is to lead the sheep to good pasture. I'd like to say to you today, here's some good pasture. It's right there. Yeah? Feed on it. Live in the good of it. Life and death, blessing or curse, we've got to choose. Rain or shine, 
feast or famine, boom or bust, we choose which path. Our choice will decide whether we live in all the good that God has got for us. We've got to choose to put ourselves in a place, in a position to receive all that God has for us. So come on, let's choose life. Let's choose abundant life. Let's choose to embrace all that God has said when he promises his blessing and act accordingly. The reason I wanted to speak early today and then we worship is so much of what we've been thinking about are things that we can put into practice now as we worship. We get an opportunity to bring our tithes and our offerings. We've got an opportunity to encourage people, encourage one another, to stir faith in ourselves and in one another as we bring the word, as we bring testimony. We have an opportunity to share the word of God with one another. The way that God chooses for us to live and so encourages. And so as we worship now, our children will be brought back in. We don't need to go and collect them. They'll arrive as we worship, not all at the same time. That's fine. But as we finish this morning, we're going to do that in an atmosphere of worship to God and the building up of his body in this place. Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand together? Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.